step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, July 6, 2020. It's amazing how fast time does travel here. Sorry for my computer. I got a new computer over the weekend, a new Mac Mini, but I forgot to mute out the background sound, so I apologize for that. We've got to do something about those notifications, so we'll have to endure that a little bit. But it's good to have you with us. Hope you had a great 4th of July. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're thrilled to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Yeah, got a great hot topic. We've had a whole series of hot topics. So many of you are writing us, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Please keep those coming. We have got a backup. In fact, so many hot topic segments are being requested of us that we are now at the point where we're starting to launch midweek hot topic segments. So we're going to start seeing more content come out of the program. It's because we have so much to cover and there's such great stuff. Last week's hot topic segment was amazing. The digital human, if you did not listen to that, go back and do so. That was on Monday. Then on Tuesday, I actually sat down and met with Danny and the team there at the digital human at Unique. And I was blown away. What they have, it's here, folks. The future is here. We've seen it. How you can reduce costs, how you can multiply the skills of your people, how you can answer so many routine calls. So there's just so much potential. Just make phone calls to them. We got the links and all the contact information on our website. If you want to get a personal introduction, I'll be happy to do so. Get a hold of me. Text me at 512-632-2900. So last week was just a real hit. And this week, we've got Rajesh Bhatt, and he is a CEO and co-founder of Roostify. He's responsible for establishing and executing the vision at Roostify. They've got some very exciting stuff, and they are delivering on their promise called Reinventing Lending. And you have to go listen to the Hot Topic segment. We're proud to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out industrysyndicate.com. Also proud to be a part of the mortgagemedia.com. Paying a bigger role in that all the time. I want to give you encourage to check out Accelerate has a webinar coming up on July 7th this week. We'll talk more about that in just a minute, but I say a special thank you to our sponsors, Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Finastra, as well as our friends at Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, as well as the 
CMLA, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, as well as Indicom. Again, we talked about Incelerate. They have a webinar coming up that you're going to want to listen to. It has to do with how to retain a customer for life through modern automation. We've got tools for us now that are just unusual. The webinar you can register for it is July 7th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Did you the statistics show that the average consumer will obtain 7 to 11 mortgage loans over the course of their lifetime? What are you doing to make sure you're at least 7 of 11 or all 11? Whatever number they have, you should be the one. Get the customers for life, something I've always believed in. I had some of the best repeat customer business in the industry when I was out there originating loans. There's no reason you can't. So check out Celerate. Also, a special notification goes out to Ainsworth Advisors. Grateful to have them. Check out their website. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and Jenny May are now looking more and more. Who is influencing you? Who sits and advises you? And it's no longer operating by the seat of your pants. We've been in an industry which has been often more of a cowboy industry. We run by seat of the pants. Those that are talented originators get out, they grow, they make money, they start companies. That's all great. But who are you getting insights from? Who are you getting advice from? That's what Ainsworth Advisors is about. Check them out. Also, AI Assist. Artificial intelligence, folks, is just becoming a bigger and bigger part of what we're doing. That's, again, part of what the digital human is about, tied with artificial intelligence. Amazing stuff. As well as Celebrity Home Loans. I want to say a special thank you to them as a sponsor. Knowledge Coop, great learning management system, as well as Mobility RE and Modex. Both of these companies help you recruit the right loan officers for your company in the markets. Amazing. Check out both of those companies. Companies, Mobility, RE, and Modex on our website, as well as Belma, which stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. Great tool and technology there, as well as VendorSurf, Vidyard. And finally, a special thank you to Alice, Andy, Alan, and Matt for their contributions to the podcast each and every week. Let's get over to Rob Van Rapphorst with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, MBA released the results of its latest forbearance and call volume survey, which estimated that the shares of loans in forbearance fell by one basis point to 8.47% in the week ending on June 21, 2020. The share of Ginnie Mae-backed loans in forbearance remained at 11.83%, while the share of GSE-backed loans in forbearance declined for the third consecutive week to 6.26%. Also last week, Senators Rob Portman and Ben Cardin introduced the Neighborhood Home Investment Act, a bill that would create a new federal tax credit to fuel development. This bipartisan legislation, a key long-term priority among MBA's overall advocacy effort, would encourage the rehabilitation of single-family homes and potentially attract $100 billion in development activity to underserved rural and urban communities across the country. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it very much. Also, while you're at the MBA website, be sure to sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. It's a powerful way to have your voice heard. You get the app, download it on your smartphone. You can do it through the App Store on your Apple device and then sign up. You get the notifications. All you do is click some buttons, folks, and say, I agree, I agree. And the initiatives that they're working on and hit send, a letter automatically goes out from your name, your address to the respective representatives that are in the various branches of government. So it's a very effective tool. Check out Mortgage Action Alliance. Let's get over to Les Parker. And he and Gary Canterbone have dreamed up another great segment. I love how this one is. I listened to it last night. It's a great one. Good music parody and an excellent view on this market. So without further ado, Les with the TM Spotlight. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. What do you do when you get weary? 
and nobody wants to buy your side. You've been running and trading much too long with just your foolish pride. Lay low. Before the self-induced economic coma, there was little hope for inflation to exceed 2%. Now, hope is less. Or is it? After six years of repair and a year of creeping, is gold ready to leap? Is it rising out of fear of inflation or dread of the major central banks devaluing money? Expect U.S. rates to bounce around wildly to establish a bottom to the 30-year secular bull market. Lay low. Wants to ease your wearied mind. These views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Yeah, I encourage you to do. Check out the TM Spotlight uh, newsletter. Got a lot of great information in there. And also, Les has a product that's out there regarding the uh, PPP loan. If you've got a loan and you're thinking whether or not you should keep it or send it back, many have kept the money, and my concern is that they've done so at their own peril. I think you need to get advice on whether or not to keep your money. And I think they're at risk because when we get past this crisis, I think we're going to see the federal government, especially the Treasury, coming back saying, let's go figure out if you really needed that money. And so Les has got a product where he's put together a review, been able to advise you whether or not you should return the money before the penalty time. In fact, I think that we're past that point, but I'm sure there's grace and mercy in there. So get a hold of Les Parker at, for many, many reasons. That PPP loan is one that could come back and bite you if you took it and kept it and did need it, and they determined that, not good. Anyway, we don't need any more attention from the regulators any way you look at it. Matt Graham's here, founder and CEO of MBS Live, who is our new contributor to the podcast with this week's weekly update on what's going on in the market. Be sure to check out mbslive.net. It's a platform with real-time market data and analytics. It's one I'm using constantly, folks. I am just loving what you have done, Matt. Good to have you here, friend. What you got? What's the economic data? What's going to move us this week? This week is going to be a little bit different than last week. Last week was a short one due to the holiday, half day on Thursday, and then Friday was fully closed. But it was nonetheless interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, First off, let's talk about economic data, because that is the thing that tends to move bond markets and thus interest rates more than anything. And if you ask most market watchers what economic report rules them all in terms of moving the bond market, over the years, nothing moves bond markets more than quote unquote NFP, which is the abbreviation for non-farm payrolls. And last week, it didn't do anything, even though it came in at the highest number ever and probably will never see a number that high again. And it completely crushed the expectations. And it is somewhat astonishing from a historical standpoint to see that have no effect. And it serves as a potent reminder as to the fact that we have other things on our mind. Coronavirus numbers, as you're well aware in Texas, and a lot of nuance to those as far as hospitalizations versus deaths versus positive case count percentages. There are a lot of different ways to dissect the data, and the bond market is very interested in that right now. And because there are mixed messages and because we don't really know what way things are going, bonds are staying very, very flat. They did take last week to sort of come back to slightly higher yields, but that wasn't really of any concern to the mortgage market because we still have a little bit of a cushion between where the mortgage bond market was and where treasuries were. And that allowed mortgage rates to move down to another all-time low last week, even if only by a little bit. 
and that help reinforce that the market isn't looking where it normally looks for guidance. The other thing to consider is that economic data is going to continue to come out that is going to be much stronger than expected simply because it has a reference point from the past few months, which have been terrible. April especially, May is better, June will be better. And we're going to see big numbers there, and we're going to continue to see not as much reaction in the data. We also have the Fed, obviously, as Les's segment brought to light. They want rates to lay low, and they're doing a very good job of supporting that by buying a ton of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities and reiterating that commitment, both in recent congressional testimonies and last week's minute. One thing that's going to come up and that has come up is this concept of yield curve control. And that just means that the Fed market is considering the possibility that the Fed may do more than simply focus on overnight lending rates, the Fed funds rate, which is the only thing they truly set in stone. Now, they influence other rates based on their bond buying, but if they implement a yield curve control policy, they will effectively be saying, we're going to buy whatever it takes to keep rates, not just short-term rates, but also intermediate rates at a level that we decide. That would be unprecedented and it would likely have additional benefits for longer term rates, which are already extremely low. So with the uh, coronavirus uncertainty, with the Fed in play, and with the caveats that go hand in hand with the economic data, bond markets haven't had much reason to do anything dramatic, to move very much from a very low and sideways range. And this week, from a data standpoint, it's more of a placeholder. There's really nothing big on tap, no big speeches on tap from Fed officials. It is sort of the start of a time frame that has historically been pretty uneventful for the bond market. And unless you go back to 2013, it's going to be coronavirus news, really. Any big updates there? People are looking to see how that is going to change. And that's not going to be something that can be decided in a day. And once it seems like that is taking shape, then rates will have their guidance. That's going to be a tough one to reconcile for we're going to keep short-term rates low for two years. Basically, they've used that number. So if the economy is able to bounce back better than expected, then they might have to reconsider. And that was when you could see some significant volatility in rates. But right now, volatility is really low. And that's great when rates are super low. But at what cost, I think, continues to be... That's the big question on everyone's minds. That is the big question. I think interest rates are so low and they're going to stay low. This is going to be the best of times for the next, I mean, 2020, 2021. I mean, any idea? What are you reading out there, Matt, as relates to the future or how far out we're going to anticipate keeping these rates at these levels? Any thoughts? I think it's entirely dependent on, on the COVID thing. But the bigger question there is, not so much tying it directly to COVID, but what percentage of these job losses are permanent? And if you look at the you know overall level of destruction to the amount of employment in the country, even after COVID is more or less contained or to whatever extent it can be, we're anticipating and what I'm reading and what I'm seeing is there's still going to be so many people that remain out of work because of yeah. changes that took place because of this and because of things that went out of business. And maybe it's a little bit of a pessimistic outlook, but to some extent, it is going to be the case. And that aside, I mean, we're looking at least through 2020 and probably into 2021, unless the, some vaccine is miraculous 
That's all it's been about the vaccine. Even in late February, early March on MBS Live, we were talking about post-vaccine, pre-vaccine. And once the vaccine is understood and see how well it works, that is things would really start moving. Yeah, so many people say this isn't real. And we have some friends up in Dallas. They said, we need to go get tested. They got some more testing. So they got online at one of these places and they watched people. They came down the row of cars. There was four rows of cars, uh, lines going in for this testing. And they went in and they captured their name, their address, and basic information. Anyway, they were in line, they're in line and it took forever to get through this line. It was just moving slow, slow. The two of them said, I had to leave. And they're both in there, and they both pulled out of the line and drove away. Guess what? They never did take the test. But guess what they got in the mail? Your test came back positive. Oh, my gosh. Which calls attention to, is it accidental? There's just so much going through the system. We don't know. The bottom line is, can't wait to get past this. The best thing is get a vaccine out there. I don't think anybody's having a great time right now. No, yeah, exactly right. All right. So good to have you here with us, Matt. Appreciate you. As always, I love your site. Go check it out at mbslive.net. And if you go into the subscribe sign and put LOL for Look at Unlending, you get double the time to give this a try. And hopefully this is going to get you a lot of new subscribers. Thrilled to have you here. You do a great job each and every week. Have a great week. You bet. Yep. We're so glad to have our friend Matt with us. Uh, check out their website. We've got Alice Alvey here. Alice, how you doing? Did you have a good 4th of July? I did. Thanks, Dave. We had a good time out fishing and kayaking, so it was a great weekend. We had great weather. Oh, kayaking. Fishing and kayaking. Imagine that. Anyway. Yeah, it was lots of fun. So anyway, so for today, for our legislative report, I want to catch up on a couple things. First of all, I would love to get your thoughts and Andy's thoughts on this, too. We heard the Supreme Court uh, ruling that the ability of the president to have some kind of authority over the head of that department, because the way it exists today, the head of the CFPB is confirmed by the Senate and could only be fired for malfeasance, inefficiency, or neglect of duty. The entity that was also being examined by the CFPB that was arguing this case all the way up to the Supreme Court felt that, you know, there was too much power in that position. So that's the aspect that the Supreme Court said that should be in place, that they struck down that it could be added that for cause, the president could remove that individual. So essentially that means if the president, you know, chooses to it and it will, right, there's not a lot that has to be uh, proven there. But Kathleen Craniger has been appointed by President Trump, so we don't expect any disruption there. She'll be in place, and if in the election there's a changeover, then that's what we would have to be watching out for as if there was a change. So that's the one piece. They did not basically strike down all of the regulations. So in one sense, I kind of look at that as good news because that would be just so much disruption (laughs) to go back and reprogram everything. I mean, there's things we don't like about it, but at least we have systems in place to accommodate it today. So I just wanted to throw that out there for folks in case they weren't sure kind of what did that really mean and was there really a big impact? So today it's business as usual. We'll see what happens after the election as far as the CFPB is concerned. Uh, The second piece is the proposed rule for changing the definition of a qualified mortgage. Now, for those of you today who are on the origination side, your headache is that you're dealing with a maximum 43 DTI unless there's a lot of compensating factors. And for our community bank and credit union partners out there, you're dealing with trying to understand what is a rebuttable presumption, what kind of underwriting and criteria and documentation can I have for my portfolio lending to still make sure I've documented that my borrower has the ability to repay. You can think of the DTI as basically our cap, right? That gives us a feeling of when we've kind of crossed over into 
new proposed rule, if they do away with the DTI and change it to an APR ceiling, that changes the ability to where is your pricing, right? How high uh, you might have you might have some more pricing challenges. It might inhibit the non-QM market because they knew where they were before, but. Now there's more in play as far as this pricing ceiling, I think. We still would have to have ATR standards. What does it mean? How do you define ability to repay? So I think in the proposal, they're leaving a lot on the table for the industry to respond to what are the consequences for that type of a change. And that's my heads up to everybody on this call. Everyone in the industry, this is huge. We should be responding. The response date is going to be about August 21st. I have to go double check exactly our 60-day mark, but it'll be around that third week in August. And you've really got to think through what are the consequences if now I have two layers of mm -hmm. rate issues and APOR, APR issues that I have to manage to manage my risks at the company. And I think we're still documenting income. That's not going away. But is that better or worse than dealing with a, a DTI that I can manage that's reasonable and gives me a lot of room above that to define reasonable? So what are you guys doing there? What are, what's the path you're taking there at Union Home? Well, we're just working through, looking at this and collecting our comments and thoughts. And I think that's really, as a group, we, we always do things with, lots of uh, really smart people in the room to come up with some solutions. And I think that's really where we're starting. We want to make sure we don't miss something. So the mm -hmm. MBA put out an early summary of it on June 22nd. You should read that. It gives you just kind of the high point. But I think that next layer that we're looking at is if we go to something along this line, what are the consequences? What are the changes? We have to have an extension of the GSE patch because if they change our computer programming, that's not happening by June 21st. So we're glad that's written into this proposed rule. Uh, but that's what we're doing right now. We're making sure we understand what are the potential consequences and, and what's the right thing for the industry. Yeah, so here, listeners, let us know what you're doing, what your company's doing. Get us feedback. Go on. LinkedIn seems to be a big popular way we hear from a lot of people. Connect with me there or send me a text at 512-632-2900 uh, or get a hold of Alice. And love to get thoughts uh, from everybody yeah. else. Yeah, Andy, have you had a chance to take a deep dive into this yet? Well, hi, Alice. If, if you don't mind, hi. Dave, we jump in real quick. The, the thing about the, the DTI is, is that a very high-income person can have a very high DTI and still have plenty of money left to make a reasonable house payment. The thing about the APR, APOR spread is that when you have low-level price adjusters that cause the rate to go up, it means the APOR, APR spread's narrower. So if you've got a person with lots of low-level price adjusters, you want the DTI to be lower. So the idea of looking at APR spreads as an indicator of DTI max level, I think, makes some sense. It's just that the devil's in the details. Working theoretically, there's some sense behind this. It's just about how to make it all make sense so that the lower income DTIs can't be 60%. It's got to still make some sense. And in fact, lower income DTIs should probably be 30 But Lots to consider. I've been a big fan of the residual income approach, the VA approach, underwriting for a long, long yes, time. Exactly. I think we're, we're having some conversations going with Fannie Mae. I have one more yeah. thought on that. This has come up yeah. time and again on the website over the years with the APOR calculation, yeah. running off the Freddie Mac's weekly numbers. And there have been times where rates have moved enough in the space of a couple of days where people are getting shut out of the possibility to get a loan because... Freddie Mac is weekly data that is based on Monday and Tuesday, largely, 
uh, the way they do their survey. And so the DTI thing would be beneficial in that sense, too, because it would get around that lag in their mortgage rate reporting. The good news is people want to hear from everybody. That's interesting, Matt. I've been looking at your message board, and it's a great place for people to put up thoughts and reflections on what their thoughts are. I'm getting some feedback from several of our listeners that are listening live right now, and the answer is no one has given us any direction at this point. Everyone that we're working with seems to be in, we're in a wait-and-see mode. They're trying to figure it out. That's great. Alice touched on it. Thank you so much. Please let us know what others are doing. We'll collect some information, and we'll keep reporting on it uh, while the comment period is open. The yeah, MBA- a lot of times we'll nudge them to post early, but very often they're so busy, they have to spend a lot of time collecting information from the membership, and it takes them yeah. a while to put together their response. So, yeah, we'll keep reporting. If you could put, post that a question up in your uh, MBS live chat section, that's good to see what others are doing out there. That'd be great. Something that ties your audience in with what we're talking about on here. That'd be great. Appreciate it. All right, Alice, good job. Alice is Vice President of Education Training at Union Home Mortgage. She's a master CMB, and good to have her here each week with the legislative update. Alice, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Let's get over to Alan Pollack, sponsored by Finastra. Before we get into Alan, I want to talk about some of the tools that Finastra has. Again, they got the FusionBot mortgage system and the ability to some of the technology that they have for driving. But here's the most important part. They've just done a new release of some new parts of their technology. I encourage you to go check out Fusion Mortgage Bot and take a look at what they're doing there as well as on their point of sale side. They've got some great tools and it's being used by over 1,400 bank clients right now and credit unions finding about it. So you're learning about a system. Go check it out. Alan Pollock, good to have you here with us. We should also say you're with Open Close, another excellent system that's out there. So it's good to have you here, Alan. What you got? Thanks for mentioning. Great to be here as always. I did put a post out on LinkedIn that just mentioned for all of our technology vendor friends, if you have news that you'd like to have mentioned, feel free to send me a message. I did get one or two already from the post, but feel free to uh, to shoot me a message. So David, uh, happy 4th, first of all, to everybody. We've made it now halfway through 2020. And once you get halfway, there's no reason to turn back, right? And I think we can all agree this year, nobody wants to turn back. So let's just uh, stick through it. Move forward. I heard what you said earlier about the testing. It's just crazy. Uh, You probably heard in the news, Florida had something where there was 30,000 or so, I think it was more west coast of Florida, but the results that were incorrect. Yeah. So it's a stressful time and we'll make it through. So in the middle of mortgage industry and the coronavirus, this great website you may want to check out. It's called Board Panda. And uh, I found this one post. It's called, people are sharing pictures of the worst software fails they've ever encountered. And they're hilarious. And I've got some good ones here. And you, you definitely want to check this out. Anyone that's been part of testing new software or for our vendor friends coding new software, this will resonate really well. First one is I got a coupon for 30% off Bluetooth headphones that end up being 98% when I entered the code, right? So obviously testing didn't go too well on that one. This one was, the title was in all capitals, how with a big question mark, and it said task failed successfully. So when you get those, those error messages that don't always match the right message, that was one. Another one was uh, could not copy files because no and no is in all capitals. And this one was great, I'll end it on this one. I was driving and my phone vibrated in my pocket to tell me you will not receive notifications while you're driving. So there's about 50 of these, they're pretty funny. Some come with screenshots, so check them out. People are sharing pics of the worst software fails they've encountered. So lots of great stuff in the news, David. One is Fannie Mae does a lot of great surveys. They just recently did one about COVID-19, asking lenders to name the biggest challenges. And there's the things that we would expect in there, transparency in the secondary markets, forbearance, workflows, 
stuff like that. But one of the things that continued, and every year we talk about Fannie Mae survey, right now they're asking lenders their top business priorities as well. And of course, what came out on top is streamlining the operational process across the board, but also focusing on the borrower's point of sale experience. So we've made investments there. We continue to make investments there. And honestly, David, I've, I've been telling people, and maybe hopefully a lot, of, a lot of our listeners are shaking their head up and down, yes, as I say this, we thought we were maybe in a position where we can start to lower some of our costs because we've selected the right vendors and technology. I think the reality is we need to go reinvest more costs. So thinking of saving money may be kind of hard right now. Andy, you probably have a good breakdown of how that goes, but as far as mitigating um, compliance and risk, which I'm going to bring up in a moment, and then having to deal with continuing to really set that and manage that borrower's expectation is really critical and important. So let's continue to think about that. Uh, Simple Nexus has a great announcement. They just continue to pop announcements out, David. And this one I saw, which I thought was interesting, allowing to lock loans from a mobile device, which I think is really important, right? Being on the go, being able to provide that customer experience as a loan officer, that real-time experience is really important. So Simple Nexus, that's a great update. Housing Wire, David, always puts out great stuff. To them, uh, their housing tech rundown, I noticed a couple things in their most recent one. One is there's a property tech provider. I've never heard of them, but I I did some research. Really interesting company called Aspen Grove Solutions. They Hmm. just released what they call their homeowner forbearance module, which basically helps servicers that have worked with their borrowers. They can reapply for the forbearance process. It takes them through the entire application process. Super efficient. There's probably a lot more technology to come in that area. But if you're servicing your own loans or you're a technology partner that can get involved, you may want to take a look at Aspen. thought that was pretty cool. Also, David, CoreLogic. You know, remember last week we talked about the fact that their stock was all but not as well as certain investors were hoping, right? So anyways, they just came out with a brand-new platform. They call it the real estate platform One Home, which the intention is to create a collaborative platform during the whole entire home buying experience between agents and their clients. And that ties in with property valuations, a virtual marketplace, being able to get insurance, and then, of course, CoreLogic integrates this with all of your point-of-sale solutions. So if you're looking to do something a little bit different, you have your own tech team or you're pushing your vendors to do something, you may want to check out CoreLogic's new One Home platform. A lot of the lenders out there, especially some that I've specifically talked to, take on some of their own tech projects. Uh, they've yep. got their own dev team, so One Home could be a good fit for you. This is another great one, David. I love success stories. So Giza Credit Union, G-E-S-A, to the second largest credit union in Washington State, uh, and they just completed a project with a consulting firm. The name was Digital Gain. They focused on business process strategy, how to really you know, be more operational efficient with their technology and removing bottlenecks. A lot of the things that TMS Advisors does, right, things that you focus on all the time. Anyways, they were able to automate over 60% of their operational process using digital assistance, and it's supporting all the different aspects from application to closing. So you want to check it out. It's a great article about it. It's Giza, G-E-S-A, Credit Union, and they're in Washington State. And this was interesting, David. There was an article on the folks over at MQMR. We never really talked much about them, but they bring up a great topic, which I wanted to end with today, called vendor management. And it talks about tech strategies must include sound vendor management. And it's just so, so important. When you deal with things like compliance, cybersecurity, cloud risk, because everybody's in the cloud today, loan transactional risk, think about origination and secondary, operational risk to your business, and even business continuity, right? You do a check on your vendors when they first come through the door, but do you check on your vendors throughout the process? 
and the cost of vendor management is just so absolutely high, mm-hmm. it's even worse when you're in that dire time of need. Systems are going down. Your customers are actually saying that you're having a bad experience, right? We're all in the game of competing on service, right, and quality. Right. And the last thing we need is to have outages and down systems and awful bad experiences. And it's happened. So really where I'm going with this today is the CFPB has outlined a vendor due diligence guideline to follow. There are some vendors out there as well that provide vendor management services, but I know a lot of us don't use them and you don't have to. But the goal here is to continue to figure out what is your strategy and what do you need to make sure of with that vendor? Track and manage that, especially based on data security risk, the ability to prevent fraud, and then, of course, business continuity. So if you can manage those things and you can do that ongoing and there's strategies on how to do that, you'll be in a much better position making sure that you don't have any oops that can cost you dearly. With that, David, I'm looking forward to the second half of our podcast today and have a great week, everybody. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate it very much. Good to have you here, friend. Andy Shell, the Prophet Doctor. Dr. Andy Shell, the Prophet Doctor. Dr. Doctor is here. Andy, good to have you here with us. Hi, Dave. Good afternoon. Yes. Always nice to hear your voice. Also, I should introduce you as my sponsor for my CMB that's coming up here. So anyway. I'm talking about servicing. So happy 4th, happy 4th of July. So we saw lots of activity on TV. We're experiencing lots of activity with mortgage lending. And we always want to automate mortgage lending activity to the extent that we can. That's part of what your special guest does later today with Roostify. But mortgage lending is more than just the application. It's more than just talking to the customer and getting them a closed loan. Mortgage lending, that one of the biggest parts of mortgage lending is mortgage servicing. And so with mortgage servicing, we're touching the customer every single month. With every mortgage, every single mortgage that's originated, we're going to collect a payment from the customer every single month for the life of the loan. And when you think about this, it's actually a surprising big quantity of customers who send in a payment. So even though you have a really sophisticated servicing portfolio with only, say, 10% customers sending in checks, which is actually kind of low, but if you have 200,000 loans, which is a good size portfolio, it's not a gargantuan portfolio, that's 20,000 pieces of mail that come in every single month the servicer has to process. Just think about the magnitude of that. That is a lot of paper cuts, opening those envelopes, pulling out the check. What happens if they send in the cash? That happens too, believe it or not. Now, while a lot of folks do pay online, but the service it provides that actually generates an ACH, sometimes the customer directly goes into their bank and generates a payment. So one is actually better than the other, but it's still, all these payments have to get processed. And and within every single payment, it's not just about getting the payment, you've got to uh, analyze the payment. And within every single payment, there's interest and principal that's going to mostly go to the investor, but there's also escrow for taxes and insurance as part of that payment that has to get segregated and moved over because it's got to be held a certain way. And then part of the interest that's collected is going to go to the investor. Part of it, the servicer keeps as a fee for servicing the loan. And and part of the interest that's collected goes to the investor, but the investor keeps it and doesn't remit it to the MBS holder because that's part of the risk of default fee. And all this happens on every single payment. And and what if the payment's not made? What if the check's in NSF? What if the ACH rejects, which sometimes happens when you use online systems that aren't originated by your bank. Your bank knows what your balance is, but some other systems may not. Here's the crazy part. So right now today, in times of high refi, 
Well, what's happening every time you have a refinance for a servicer, the loan is paid off. What happens when you pay off a loan? Well, you have to call it a deconversion. So you take the loan off. You also then have to file a lien release because you have to release the lien wherever it's filed. You have to send the paperwork through to get all of that done. And then every time it's refinanced, what else happens? A brand new loan comes in and has to get boarded into the servicing system. That means loaded into the system. And when you put data into something, you need to make sure it's right. So there's a data validation process that has to happen. And also the originating entity may not have calculated the mortgage escrow amounts correctly. So the servicer has to now recheck all the escrow accounts amounts for every single one of the new loans that come in. And this is happening at 1,000 miles an hour. There is so much that happens. So Teresa and I have a webinar we're teaching coming up in a couple weeks through the MBA about this. Now, the, the webinar is not specifically focused on COVID and CARES. It's not just the forbearance. We're going to talk about the broad requirements of forbearance, but not specifically the uh, CARES Act forbearance. But that's coming up. If you want to learn more about servicing big picture, servicing, subservicing, and the functions of servicing, what everybody does and how they do it generally, join the webinar. If you're a member of the Mortgage Bankers Association, how much the webinar costs? It costs nothing. Three if you are an MBA member. So yep. come join the webinar. One question that just came in, did anyone that brought up servicing. Are the economics at this point in such a way where you should retain servicing? Yes, for for a couple of reasons. Provided you have the capability to service and the market stays where it is where the MSR value is so low and you're able to actually extract enough cash flow from the premium and the coupon to cover your operating costs. So okay. that moves around. We had a little bit of an aberration. I think generally, yes. And I think your prepayment speeds of the files that are coming in. I mean, I remember when 10% was a great rate. I remember when 8% was a great rate. How much lower can it go? Comfortable that it really, the spread between the 10-year and the mortgage has to stabilize and mortgage rates can't go below two-ish, then your portfolio would never refinance for the portfolio you buy today. Right. That's a much bigger question, Dave, and it's a really interesting it question. Is. It's really interesting. There comes to a point where companies are, more and more companies are retaining servicing right now in this market. It's a great time. I thought the rates are at the low. When do you pick the low? You don't. Just get in and have a good production machine. But more and more companies I hear that are of the certain size and have the discipline and the experience are retaining servicing. It's a great time to be doing so. Anyway. Yep, exactly. Good job, Dr. Shell. Good to have you here with us each and every week. Appreciate you. Folks, that ends this week's weekly update. Also, a special thank you goes out to our sponsors, Finastra, as well as Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Indicom, Accelerate. Remember to register for Accelerate's July 7th webinar that's coming up, as well as Ainsworth Advisors, Mobility RE, and Modex and so many more. Appreciate you so much. Check out all our sponsors at our website, Looking on Lending, under the sponsorship page. Have a great one. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Have a great week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.